I'm making an executive decision. Uh oh. We're moving into the summer. I think this summer we're gonna cover just summer movies. Summer movies slash kids in danger. Sweep the lick. You have a problem with that. Welcome to the Project Gen X Retro Summer Series 2022. Sarah, beware. I have been generous up until now, but I can be cruel. Starting in May and ending in August, we will review the summer movies from our youth that include Tron. I still don't understand why you want to break into the system. Because, man, somewhere in one of these memories is the evidence. If I got in far enough, I could reconstruct it. Adventures in babysitting. Don't fuck with the babysitter. The Goonies. Don't say that. Never say that. Goonies never say die. Back to the Future. Whoa, this is heavy. There's that word again. Heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? What? And so much more. We talked into the night. The kind of talk that seemed important until you discover girls. If I can only have one food for the rest of my life, that's easy. Pass. Cherry flavor pass. Along the way, we will also sprinkle in some non-movie goodness that will remind us what it was like to be a kid when the socks were high, the shorts were extra short, and there wasn't a cell phone to be seen. E.T. phone home. E.T. phone home. Who wants to call somebody? So sit back and join Big Dave, Barry, and myself, Alan Smith, to relive the magic of the 80s and the retro summer. When you compress a compress a compression of a compression, it's a copy it's of a copy <laughs> of a copy of a copy. Uh, exactly. Welcome back to the Project Genix podcast. I am one of your hosts, Alan Smith, along with Barry, and we are here for our second episode of um, <laughs> the summer movie of, blockbusters yeah, the retro summer or whatever we're going to call it retro know? summer. Why does that sound like uh, a bad eighties movie? Hold on, while I'm thinking. Oh my gosh, what are you digging up? He is reaching over for some form of, oh, what this are you This finally hand- came in the other day. Zombies ate my neighbors. Limited run game. Nice. Last summer, and it was so funny because uh, our friend Dwayne. Yes. Uh, me and uh, the, the two of us and then Brody all went to Las Vegas last year. And while we're sitting in the airport. <laughs> of all places. Dwayne mentioned something to me. He's like, hey, Kay, did you, uh, did you get in on that, uh, uh, that pre-order for Zombies Ate My Neighbors? I was like. What you know? <laughs> you have I my love, attention. Yeah, because I love this game. Like I loved this game yep. back in the nineties. And he was like, "Yeah, Limited Run Games is doing. It's it's not only Zombies Ate My Neighbors, but it's also Ghoul Patrol, which was actually the sequel to it. Sweet. Um, and I was like, No, I did not know about this. And he was like, Well, there's <laughs> I guess there's a couple of days left. And literally, because this was like a Friday, we were leaving. Sunday was the deadline. Oh wow. And so while I was in Las Vegas, I'm in the hotel room at some point, like typing in all my <laughs> stuff. Like I am getting this. It finally arrived. Yeah. And I'm, I am, I haven't broken it out. Chomping at the bit to play it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, talking about retro summer. I mean that, there you go. There you go. 1993. That's classic, man. (laughs) Well, we're going further back than that today, aren't we, sir? Yes, we are. So today we are going over one of my all time favorite movies. 
This was a Barry suggestion. This was a Barry. <laughs> this is a Barry passion project, is what this is. This is from the 1986 amazing, colossal, phenomenal, like eventually Disney esque kind of movie. Flight of the Navigator. Flight of the Navigator. This I did see this movie in the theater. So did I, and absolutely loved it. So, Flight of the Navigator. Let's let's run down the stats. All right. Directed by uh, Randall Kleiser. Am I pronouncing that right? Kleiser? Sure. Kleiser? I don't know. If you say so. We'll just call him Randy. Um, <laughs> uh, it was originally written by Mark Baker, um, starring Joey Kramer, kind of a, hey, it's that kid. Who, I was trying to think, what else did he show up? There was something else that he's been in, um, it's like lesser lesser roles but he he definitely had more of an impact in his life later on in life okay. we'll, we'll get into that later right. on um this also had the one of the first i think it's the first appearance of a little actress you may have heard of her named sarah jessica parker prior to this she had been on square pegs she had been on square pegs and she had had a run on three two one contact oh wow three two one contact. yes knock the doc knock wow, the dust off that one uh, but uh she had not she had not had a movie role right and actually it's from this that she got hired in to do um, a movie, which another one of my favorite movies, yeah. L.A. Story, the one wow. with Steve Martin. Okay, yeah, I guess that I always rewatching this. Yes, I forgot this movie came out as late into the eighties as it did. Like well, eighty six. Yeah, it still feels like it should have been a couple of years prior. You know. To, oh, I agree. It definitely uh, has like an eighty four, eighty five. Yeah, you know, again, to, getting you into know. that. Goonies and Explorers and, you know, the, yeah. that type of stuff. Now, again, you know, another one of my favorite movies that we've talked about, Ad Nauseum from time to time with Monster Squad, which actually came out in 87. Yep. But all but that movie and this movie both felt like they should have been They're, earlier. You know, It would have made for a great double feature. Yes, it That's would. That's for sure. Yes, it would. Um, but, uh, again, the, the, the cast on this movie is – well, first off, movie the budget on it was $9 million, So it was a very cheaply made movie for its time. Its box office gross was double that. Okay. And it came out August first in uh, in the U.S. August first in 90, uh, 1986. So it was right at the tail end of all the summer blockbusters. Now, there's oh, certain wow. Joey Kramer was in Runaway. Oh, that's right. He played Tom Selleck's son. Yeah, I forgot wow, about that. I wow. knew he'd be in something else. Still one of the creepiest roles for Gene Simmons Dude, ever. I know, I know. With the short haircut I and the know, suit and everything. Know, oh, that we we may dig into that one later maybe, on. Maybe. <laughs> so well, let's go ahead and go over the cast. Okay, go ahead. Let's see. Joey Kramer, as you mentioned, plays a character named David Freeman. Um, Veronica Cartwright is Helen Freeman's his mom. Mm-hmm. Cliff DeYoung, the ultimate hey, it's that guy. Yes. Played his dad. Yes. As I mentioned, Sarah Jessica Parker plays a character named Carolyn. Mm-hmm. Um, his younger brother is played by two different actors. And you'll understand why when we get into the plot a little bit. Uh, The younger version is a guy named Albie Whitaker. I couldn't really find much that he did. There wasn't anything else. But his older older version of his younger brother was played by Matt Adler. Mm -hmm. Another, hey, Hey, it's it's that that guy. guy. Absolutely. Matt Adler has been in a ton of movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, What was the surfing one that he was in? Um, With him and Nia Peebles. Uh, I can't Uh, remember the name of it, but... There was that. It's there, funny because that's like the first thing that comes up here. Like, North Shore. Yes. It's called North Shore. Uh, there was that. There was, uh, he was in. Um, uh, oh. Day After Tomorrow. He was in Teen Wolf. Yes, he was in Teen Wolf. Remember, never say die. He was in the remake of The Day of the Earth. Still. Mm-hmm. 
Let's go back to his 80s. He's just, I mean, he's the ultimate, hey, it's that guy. Um, Playing Dr. Lewis Faraday, one of the greatest names of all time for a scientist. I know, that was, as soon as I heard that name, I was like, oh, Faraday box. For a scientist, he's a Faraday cage. Yeah, Faraday cage, yeah. Yeah, is is Howard Hessman. Yes. You know? Uh, Dr. Johnny Fever. It's rare that you see Howard Hessman playing a villain. He was also in Amazon. Amazon Women on the Moon? Yeah. See? Yeah. It's it's, it's meant to happen. Uh, And there's a bunch of other Hey, It's That People that you may have heard of. You know, Iris Acker was in it. Carrie Rogers has been in it. Uh, There's a lot of just kind of oddball one-offs on that. But the biggest one was Sarah Jessica Parker. Yes, it was. Um, She went on to the biggest... Yes, the well, fame after yeah. that, you know, Hessman would probably be a close second on that. And there's well, one other he person. Had, he had fame before, you know, with, with WKRP in Cincinnati. Around this time, I guess, was whenever Head of the Class came on, maybe um, a little after. Somewhere. Right around, right around, yeah, yeah. And then he spotted here and there. He would pop up here and there, yeah, and things. But um, there's there's one other yes, there voice is. actor that, and I believe this is his first voice role that I remember. Um, playing yeah, a, I know it's not his first role. Playing a, a robot mm-hmm. of sorts named Max mm-hmm. was a little actor by the name of Paul Rubens. Yes. You might know him better as Pee Wee Herman. And it's funny because there's a couple of times in this where you're like, oh, yeah, there's the Pee Wee voice. Now, <laughs> for the record, he is not credited not as Paul Rubens. Not at all. He is credited as Paul Mall. Don't ask. It's just, uh, I figured he just needed a name. And the irony is, as you watch the movie, if you're listening to the voice, you can hear you him hear trying to, I know. trying very hard to kind of, you know. The very last line of the movie. Yes. When he's like, see you later, see Navigator. You later. Yeah, he sounds just like Pee Wee Herman. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. See you later, Navigator. <laughs> uh, even that's a laugh, know, you know. <laughs> so, um, there, we'll go ahead and get into the okay, plot, because okay. the plot is just too good. Yeah. So, this all supposed to take place in, it starts off July 4th, 1978. Yes. And of all places, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Florida, I know. Yes, baby. Uh, David Freeman, 12-year-old, was walking through the woods to try to find his little brother, Jeff. Mm-hmm. And the they process- have a, Kind of a contemporary. Yeah, they're they're brothers. They're brothers, you know, they're yeah. brothers, you know. As he's going through, he falls in this ravine and he gets knocked unconscious. Mm-hmm. He wakes up and it's eight years later. Yes. And he has he's not aged. He hasn't changed at all. Mm-hmm. And his parents, you know, he finally finds his way back to his house. His parents freak out because they're trying to figure out where he's been for eight years and why he hasn't aged. So about the same time that that's happening, there is an alien ship that actually crash lands through some power lines and it gets captured by NASA. Yes, kids, in this NASA. movie, NASA is the bad guy. Yes, yes. We'll get into that in a little bit. But it's still under that whole, it's the government. You know, I mean, that's... Yep. <laughs> and, of course, you know, they're trying to figure out what's going on with David, so they find all these brainwaves, you know, they put on a brainwave test on it and find out that, you know, somehow he has some kind of an interaction with this alien ship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they bring him into NASA to check. It says it's just going to be for 48 hours. Right. Yeah. Well, in the process of it, you know. What's the old saying? There's nothing more permanent than a temporary government organization. Exactly. (laughs) So in the process of it, they're they're analyzing these these brainwaves that he's putting out. And it finds out that he has gone to some planet called Phalon, which is Mm -hmm. 560 light years away in literally two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And so essentially he was traveling faster than the speed of light. Right. And they're trying to figure out. What was out, it they said? It was like 2.2 solar years. Something like something that. Like, yeah, yeah, it was something weird. Um, but he, he, he says he's going to keep him there longer. So, of course, he's breaking his promise. Well, in the process of this, um, 
you know, one of the the people that works at NASA is kind of a little insert or an intern, if you will, is this girl named Carolyn, played by Sarah Jessica Parker. Well, of course, she befriends David, and they're they're trying to help him go through all this. Well, somehow David gets in this telepathic communication with this ship. He boards it, and he meets the robotic commander. And let me get make sure I get the name right on this. Yes. It's the Trimaxian drone ship. Yes. It, and says, for some, I'm going to call you Max. Yeah, he's just saying, I'm going to call you Max because that's too much to say. So in the process of it, um, the, the, the ship keeps referring to him as Navigator mm-hmm. the entire time. Uh, they escape. The ship flies out. And uh, Max tells David that his mission is to, to go through the entire galaxy collecting different specimens from different planets. And just so happens, he's one of them. So... Um, in the process of it, they do a brain scan on him to try to identify it. And this is when you see Pee Wee Herman come out. Yes. Because as he does this scan of a 12-year-old's brain, he starts communicating like you would expect a 12-year-old brain right. to communicate. Which is very Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> it is just all over the place. So once he finds that out, he you know that's how he gets the information on how Max can get back home. Mm-hmm. So... Scans it, and of course, while they're going through all this thing, you know, David is seeing the other stuff that's on the the, the ship, and he finds this little creature called uh, a Puckmarin, mm-hmm. which is this little like bat-looking thing that you know it reminded me of mm. Mac and me. Yeah, yeah, it did have a very <laughs> Mac and me, yeah. uh, um, uh, just any kind of like little Iago right, kind of right. thing, you know, little sidekick type thing. But it doesn't speak; it just makes these weird grunting noises, and it kind of looks like a bat and a worm, yeah, kind of had a love child. But um, <laughs> that's one way of putting it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> odd. Um, during the transfer on this, you know, like I said, Max just kind of goes completely off the rails. They start going through and flying around to try to find out what's going on. Um, Carolyn finally get rats out the situation that she right. let David loose. So everybody kind of adjourns over to um, David's house where they're trying to find out where he is. Well, there's a scene where he stops at the gas station to get directions. (laughs) That's just hilariously funny because he can't find where his house is. Well, his little brother, Jeff, to signify, because it's 4th of July, to signify where his house is, crawls on top of the roof while all these NASA guys and everything are there and starts lighting off fireworks so they kind of give him a a path home. Right. And, you know, they finally show up there, but NASA agents are there and Basically, David said, if I go back here, they're going to leave me in an institution for the right. rest of my life. Right. He's like, I'm never so going to be able to go home. He convinces Max to take him back to 1978, you know, assuming that there's the possibility that he might be vaporized. Right. So the next scene, he awakes in the ravine, runs home, and everything is exactly the way that he left it in 1978. He gets home, opens up his backpack, the little puck meant. Puck Marin comes out of it, mm-hmm. so he knows that it wasn't all a dream. Right, right, right. And to finish up, as he looks outside and sees Max flying across through the fireworks, saying, "See you later, Navigator." Yes, yeah, yeah I know. And scene, and scene. And well, <laughs> kinda, because all through the, um, uh, through the credits is just it's like flying, um, it's basically flying through the clouds. Yes, that's all the way. Like, and I, and I love credits like that. Oh yeah, it has something under oh, going underneath it. You know, it's the, a, the the graphics that were yes. used in this were cutting yes. edge. 
1986. For right. They There's... were some of the newest variations. In fact, this was one of the first movies to ever use CGI. Yeah. Well, you know, the whole, like, when the stairs form off of the spacecraft, yes. it's very... Liquid. It's very T-1000. Yes. Yeah, very much they so, actually you know, used so. a lot of the renderings from this in the production of Terminator, Terminator 2. 2. Okay, yeah. So I kind of figured that it probably came from there somewhere because literally, because it really, it's... There's nothing, there, there's like, they keep, they, at one point when they're investigating the ship, they're talking about there are no seams, there are no rivets, there are no yep, whatever. there's no way to get in. Yeah, and then all, when he goes to the hangar. It melts, it melts into these stairs. Into stairs, and, which is kind of cool, it was really kind of cool. They, it's, it's 1986 CGI, mm-hmm. but it's still one of those things where like, no, it doesn't look terrible. Like, no, know, it really doesn't. And the funny thing is, if you go online and read up some of the history of this movie, that thing was fraught with problems on the I CGI. Have, I have heard some of the behind-the-scenes cr- stuff Because the machine that they were using was never designed for this. Right. So they kept having to, like, stop and reboot it and go through the whole thing and dump everything and refilm. It's just mm-hmm. what should have been a five-minute process ended up taking five days. Oh, wow. You know, that yeah. kind of stuff, yeah. just for the graphics alone. But for their time, there was nothing like this that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, something else that's kind of unique about this movie is this is the, really the first movie that the entire soundtrack was done with a digital synthesizer. Really? Everything else up until that point had been using analog. When you heard synth music in a, a movie, right. they were all using analog stuff. They didn't use anything digital. So they had just... 86 pre- sounds about right for... Yeah. When we started seeing the jump to digital, and well, music. and it was Alvin Sil- uh, Alan Silvestri. Silvestri. Too. I, no- I noticed that. Yeah, I noticed it was Alvin Silvestri. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. When Alan Silvestri gets a hold of something, you know it's going to be yes, good. You yes. Know, as far as the score and the soundtrack, because normally he does it with like full orchestras and right, everything else. Right. No, right, right. all of this was just him and a synthesizer, and the way that it came across, it felt very sci-fi-ish, space-ish, you know, kind of element to it. So here's the thing about this movie. And this is part of why I love it so much. This movie was never, ever, ever designed to be a Disney movie. Okay. I have heard a little bit of this, yep. but I'm, I've, I can tell by your notes that you probably have the extensive. Oh, I did my homework on this one. <laughs> How did this movie wind? It seems like a Disney movie, especially of this era. Yes. It very much does. Oh, yeah. You know, before we get into it, let's talk about Disney in the 80s. Yes. Okay. Generally, people talk about from basically when Walt died in what was it, 71 or 72, somewhere right, right around there. there. Yeah, from there until basically Little Mermaid came out in 89, mm-hmm. that Disney was in this lull. Well, and, and I have to disagree because actually, some, some stuff, of the like, greatest movies they put out was and the Hound came out during that time, yeah. Robin Hood came out during that time. Well, they, um, they really, know, and, and even on like the live action yeah. stuff, like this Last Flight of Noah's Ark, I remember like. Going and seeing that one and like really love it. There and there were several movies like that. The the, the Black Cauldron came out during the summer. I know that was a financial yeah. disaster, but I love that movie. Well, Black Hole, the Black Hole came out. Yeah, yeah. another one. I love that movie. Yeah, I know they're not up to what people expected from Disney in their heyday. Right, but they, it's still one of those things where there's a lot of good. Uh, the Great Mouse Detective came out during well, this time. you have to you remember know? this is all pre Michael Eisner too. Yes, it is. You know, again, and, that's that Disney Renaissance. And, and love him or hate him, that yes. man definitely brought Disney back into right, the animated right. side of it because yes. they did really focus a lot more on, you know, the well they, the, they found Touchstone's Pictures, which was Disney. Exactly, that was their adult version exactly. of you know. So originally, this movie was produced. It was. It's funny. Half of it was filmed in Fort Lauderdale. Yes. Half of it was filmed in Norway for. 
reasons. Uh, okay. It still never really explains yeah. that, but it was uh, originally it was made as an independent movie by a company called Viking Films. Viking Films. Yeah, as a Norwegian company. Okay, and that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, about midway through the shoot, Viking Films goes bankrupt. Oh, 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 oh okay. So Disney that makes perfect sense. Disney got a hold of this, and they said that they they won't put their name on it as far as production. But they did put it on for distribution. distribution. Yeah. Okay. So that's where they kind of went through and, and agreed to buy this project. And they weren't really about to do it because they just did Return to Oz. And oh, yeah. I forgot that about kind Return of to Oz. just, yeah, yeah didn't Bruce really ball, do all that. Yeah. Know. That didn't do well at all. So they were really hesitant to do anything with this. And right. that, that was another one that was an independent that they came up and bought out to right, be able to right. make Disney. Um, so is that whole Wizard of Oz, pro, you know, oh. pro, uh, property that had been lucrative in the past? Yeah, you know, so yeah, so um, so Disney got a hold of it and they said that they'll agree to distribute it, you know, do worldwide distribution on it, um, but technically it's still a Viking film. So if you look at it after, of course, since Viking folded, yes. they gave up all rights to it. But the only mention that you see of that is the very, very beginning of the movie. And I think there's one line in the credits. Okay. And that's it. But it still has the whole opening with uh, Cinderella's castle and everything as far as the Disney openings. Okay. Um, yeah. I, yeah. So well, it has Walt Disney right there above yeah. the, you know, the line of everything. Well, so, so here's the funny thing. After this movie, and, and this movie wasn't a huge blockbuster success. I mean, it doubled its its yeah. you know its budget, but it was nowhere near what some of the other movies had made. Right. However, it was such a unique thing. Part of the movie, one of the props, mm -hmm. was at Walt Disney World, and I think it's still there. Okay. It was the ship. Oh yeah. The ship. So, for those of you that have never been to Disney World, um, it's been a very long time. Yeah, it's there's a section of it. It used to be called MGM. I can't remember what they call it now, but um, there was a ride that was called Earthquake. And outside okay. of Earthquake, to get into the ride, you walk through what was affectionately called the Boneyard. Mm -hmm. The Boneyard was where they had props of all kinds of different Disney or different movies to show you. You know, this was you know, Moses' staff or this kind of okay, stuff. You know, okay. Well, setting off by itself, covered in bird crap, oh. was the ship from Flight of the Navigator. Nice. And it sat there for forever. Um, they have since kind of revamped it, and it's now a part of somewhere in Tomorrowland, they've actually got it sitting on top of like a ride or a, a something and they painted it red. They Why? Got red. Well, <laughs> chrome is only going to last so I long. Know, but you know? still, I mean, it, but the shape is still so still there. Okay. You can't All change right. that. And if you go on the back lot tour, you can still see okay. the, the flight of the navigator ship. Uh, I think they had like one or two of them, but well, they had a couple of different designs. One, yeah. You know, well, one of them was the, 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 the more spherical. And then yeah. as, it, and that's one of the cool things about this, you know, going back to the CGI aspect of it, the ship itself actually changed shape. Mm -hmm. It was the first thing that they'd ever done that had that kind of manipulation of a an actual device. Mm -hmm. So when it came up, as it was sitting still, it looked like your standard, you know, flying saucer. But when it got ready to move, it would spin and created a point, which was like the nose cone of a rocket. Right. And would just take off like a bullet. So, but... Yes, that the the ones that you see in Disney World are more of the ones in flight. So they have the point that come out almost looks like a teardrop. Mm -hmm. So, 
But um, the whole thing about this, this movie has so many weird ties into different movies and everything right, else. Right, right. Um, one of the funniest ones you talked about beforehand off, off camera or off mic, um, it's connected to Greece. Yes, I noticed because... When they're in 1978, when they're mm-hmm. coming back to the house, they pull up, and you're the one that I want is playing on the the radio. Well, and it just so happens that Randall Which Grease was huge at that time. Yeah. So. Well, Randall Kleiser also directed the movie. Okay. He directed Grease. Right. So right. Right. right yeah. <laughs> that's where it kind of pulls into it. It's a weird combination. And Never the funny thing, how much I hate Grease. <laughs> oh, I know, but you know, still okay. So this one, he also directed Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Nice, you know. So he stayed. another one of those mo- Disney movies that came out yeah. during this time period. White you know? Fang was yeah. another one of his. Uh, honey, I, honey, I shrunk the kids. Honey, I blew up the kids. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of those kinds Who of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Who Framed Oh, <laughs> another one of my favorites. But yeah, there was a lot of tie-ins on that, and and you know you got to see this director kind of play with what he had to work with. Right, right. And, and to this day, I still I've, I've gone through and read a bunch of stuff about this movie, and I still don't know why in the world they went back over to Norway to film this stuff. But that just it makes it, it yeah it, it it seems counterproductive, especially yeah. considering look the whole movie takes place in Florida, in Florida, basically over just a couple of day period. So well, I mean, I mean you know, if why, you think you know, about it, you're talking about Lauderdale to Canaveral, that's right? Not, you know, for yeah. anybody that lives in Florida knows that's not that far. That's not long at all. So you know, and th- there's there's so many cool little nuances on this movie because it is truly the you know stranger in a strange land kind of feel to it right you know davy knows what he's supposed to and, and it's never david it's davy davy i know you well, know 12 year old kid exactly you know, you know? but just, which is funny they say he's 12 because he seems younger than that he does but that actor always seemed like yeah, you know even a, when he was in uh runaway he seemed like he yeah. was like a, you know a fetus or something he was just tiny right but uh he played and he was a he was a decent child actor i mean he actually played up the whole element of it and you know it's the 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 idea of him kind of becoming buddy buddy with Max. Right. And by the way, Max doesn't really have a body per no. se. It's literally this weird little orb yeah. on a, a what looks like a mic stand that kind of flies around it reminded the, the ship. Me of um It reminded me a little bit well it's funny because you know from our previous episode of um Explorers when they mm-hmm. first get to the ship and there's that thing that comes out that scans them and it's like starts looking at them and everything. That one reminded me a lot of um the probe at Jabba's Palace in Return oh, of the yeah, Jedi. I think about that. And Max kind of reminds me a little bit of some combination of that as well, where it's that as well as several other movies in that time in that era that that they kind of had this like, oh look robot's part of the ship and it's gonna be like this swiveling whatever, you know. It's hard. It also, you know, what it also kind of reminds me of hmm. the light at the dentist. You, did, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, it's backlit. You know, yeah, it comes yeah, down, yeah. It like, comes with the little handles yeah, on the exactly. side of it. Oh my gosh! I never thought about it. You realize I'm never going to be able to go to the dentist again without uh, trying to talk oh, hey, to Max. There you go. It's a, why not? It's I was about to say that's that's when the Novocaine really kicks in. Hey, you know, but, God uh, bless yeah. the laughing gas, and the nitrous oxide. So let's talk a little bit about Joey Kramer. The guy that was okay. actually played um, Davy in this. Oh so, yeah, you said he had an interesting after. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, got arrested for bank robbery. Nice. So the official story on this child actors, man. <laughs> um, he walked away from from acting back in like the nineties, yeah. and by two thousand, he was arrested on multiple occasions for like everything from drugs to firearms to forgery. In two thousand six. <laughs> 
<laughs> he got arrested. He did two years for bank robbery. Mm. And I don't, from what I understand, it wasn't successful. He yeah, went in no, to try it. And, yeah. and, well, I mean, he tried to rob it, and in the process, they got caught. Oh, okay. so, he never even got out of the bank. I don't think basically. he ever got yeah. out of the bank. Oh. But, I mean, how the mighty have fallen. Yes, I mean, yes. it's just, and to see his mugshot online, oh, oh, it's something special. Yeah. It's something special. That guy, you could tell, led a hard life. But yeah, it's it's always funny because you look at some of the other actors that came out of them. I mean, Hessman, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker, that kind of stuff. And this poor kid who had had an acting career before this just couldn't, you know, it, it's something about it. Kinda just gave didn't know me, um, um, what's his name from E.T. vibes? Uh, oh, Henry Thomas? Henry Thomas a little bit. A little, you know, yeah, I could like, see where you draw that, you know, because again, talking about aliens, talking about, you know, little Little, little kids with a brunette right, hair. Right, you know, right, right, yeah. Uh, slightly annoying voice. Yes. Yeah, you, you kind of nailed it. Um, but the poor guy, I, I think, from what I understand, I don't know if he's still with us or not. I didn't look that far into it because once I, I got to the... I didn't see anything about... I looked him up. Once I got to the two, 2016 arrest, I was just like, okay. There, we, there was nothing we've, with IMDb. We've now hit the type of the mountain. You there, know? There, there was no end date on his right. on IMDb, so... so um, but yeah, the 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 director, like I said, did a lot with Disney after that. You mm-hmm. know, um, he even went in to do something in one of the parks, and you may remember this. Do you remember Honey, I Blew Up the Audience? Um, I know that it existed. I was never there when. Okay. It, yeah, it, there was. An, I've been to Disney once. Okay. And that was. I don't even. I, it was somewhere in the late eighties. I was a like 13 or something when we went. And so right. I didn't go to any of the shows. I wanted to ride Space Mountain and go to the Haunted Mansion. And What are you, Ric Flair? You're going to ride Space like Mountain? That. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, there was stuff like that that I wanted to do that I just didn't get right. into. I didn't go to any of the shows. So. Okay. Except for Captain EO. Well, this, that was the only well, one. Well, yeah, of course. You kind of have to go to Captain EO <laughs> yeah. just to see the dancing waters. Yeah. But um, no, this was one of those... It wasn't a ride. It wasn't an attraction. It happened in a theater kind of thing where you go in there and um, Rick Moranis comes out and is doing the whole spiel about, you know, we figured out how to shrink everybody. And in the process of it, you know, the screen changes and everything. So I remember this. It didn't last very long. I Mm -hmm. think it got replaced by Shrek. Yeah, that didn't surprise me. Or one of the other ones. But I do remember Honey, I Blew Up the Audience because there was actually a little... Um, like jungle gyms and stuff attached outside of mm-hmm. it that were in the theme of like giant plants or mm-hmm. giant cookie or all this other kind of stuff. So it was it was fun, um, but yeah, he did a lot with Disney after that. Um, so this movie holds two interesting things that I think are going to hit true to you more than anything else. Okay, the first one, this is only the second ever Disney movie that had profanity. Yes, I noticed. The, the the two mm-hmm. the 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 uh, the S bomb and the GD yeah because I remember also what was it uh, last fight in Noah's Ark had a, just a little bit but nothing but you know, that actually came out I think that was after this. was that after that because the first one okay I was going to ask you if you knew what the first one was because I forgot that this was actually technically a Disney movie no Robert Altman's Popeye. That was a Disney movie? That is a Disney movie. I didn't pre- realize that was a that Disney movie. That was a movie. Disney movie. That was put out by Disney. And that's the only that was the first Disney movie that ever actually featured or I shouldn't say featured had profanity in it. This was the second. And this movie No, Last Flights of Noah's Ark came out in nineteen eighty. Oh, well, okay. Uh then maybe my research was wrong. But I I, I know that that had it. Now it also be one of those things where depending on what you call profanity. 
Right. Because, like, you know, a lot of people don't consider, like, Damon Hill. You know, right. That kind of, and, and that was, last five, no, was Ark. I think the Black Hole even said something about Hill or, so, or being yeah, down or, yeah, or something. Yeah. But it's just like, whatever. Yeah, I mean, there was no S-bombs. Again, that was, yeah, there was there no, was no yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's but a, the, the, the other two did. Yes. And yeah. um, the other thing I thought was kind of interesting about this is when this came out, because, like I said, it was August 1st of 86. Yeah. Um, it came out right in between two movies that I know are very special to you. One that's very special to me. Okay. Um, its biggest competition was Friday the 13th Part 3. That's Dave's movie. That's okay. That's the one he loves. So, yeah. And one that I still love. I don't care what anybody says. It was one of the worst movies of all time, but I still love it. Okay. Howard the Duck. Oh, God. It was a terrible movie. And it didn't Actually, do you know as well as either one. Those two movies did better. I'm going I'm to tell you something. I've never seen Howard the Duck all the way through. Oh, you hurt I've, my soul. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I've never seen you it. You hurt my soul, thing, man. So. You know? But yeah, that's, technically, that was a Marvel movie. That is oh, a yeah, Marvel I movie. Know. It's one yeah. of the first Marvel Howard movies. Howard the Duck is, yeah. a, is a Marvel property, yeah. But uh, but yeah, that when it came out, it came out against those two movies. And I'm just like, the fact that those two movies did better than this one did in the box office it still blows the mind because I remember going to see this in the theater and I thought this was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. It was just such a, a, a great snapshot for kids to, you know, it's that whole idea of, you know, going on an adventure with some, some random thing. It goes back to, you know, you can go back as far as Tom Sawyer, you know, it kind of has that feel to it, you know? Exactly. Um, and the whole age jump thing was very cool as well. Yeah. I love when his, his little brother comes in after he comes in, he's like, Oh look, my, or he's like my older or, what what did he say? He was like my my kid older brother. Or my something. kid older yeah, brother, yeah. yeah, something like that. You know, it's a or my uh, my little big brother. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, <laughs> and so one of the things I made mention to earlier, and this is something that that kind of got stuck in my throat a little bit, okay. was this was the first movie, and I can't think of too many others. Um, in fact, none really jumped to mind other than like Armageddon that made NASA out to be the bad guys. Yeah, you know. Uh, it, it was really again. It goes back to that governmental, I mean, right? And know, this it, is where you can you really get that vibe that you know it's it's a government project. Right, it's right. government driven. They show it's, up with guns. Yeah, you know, that was yeah, another, that's true. You know, that's very true. But the, ET told us that the government will show up to your house with guns. You no, know, those were walkie talkies. <laughs> no, they were not. They, they were, were walkie talkies. <laughs> <laughs> You've been memory holed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, but uh, the, fake news. Fake news. <laughs> the funny thing about this is, it actually gives a little bit of foreshadowing in the movie mm-hmm. because when Davy comes into NASA when they bring him over for like the 48 hour right. stay they're trying to make his stay comfortable so they have all these toys that they have uh, yes, got for yes, him yes. and the funny thing about it is okay so if you're a child of the, the 80s yes. you're going to know exactly why this is a big red flag right from the get go some of the toys that they provided him was the Cobra water moccasin from G.I. Joe yes. and shrapnel from the Transformers yes now for those of you that don't quite understand what why that's so strange, those are the bad guys. <laughs> those are the villains. Yes. And if you look, there's all kinds of other ones that are in there, and they're all villains. Right. And I'm like, I, I I had to go back and rewatch this. Now thing. it was really cool seeing those packaged toys. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, there's like, oh wow, that's I remember you know, this. Oh yeah, exactly. I exactly. remember this pulling this out and having to put everything oh, exactly. together. Oh yes. I had a lot of feels on that one, but it was just something very strange to, and I, I cannot believe that I didn't notice that when I was a kid because I was a huge GI Joe fan, mm-hmm. Same huge. Here. Same here. So I got a tattoo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're, you're tatted up with Go Joe, you know. But the 
it, going back and watching that, I was like, that's such a G.I. Joe number one is sitting on that comic Don't, rack right yeah. there. It's like <laughs> the minute you're not looking, it's going home with me. So, but it's, it's so is number 23. Oh, stop it. 21. Stop what's it. The, what's the significance of stop number 21? It. What's the number? What's the significance? Isn't that the one with Storm Shadow? It's, it's the one with the silent episode. Okay. Where are the silent issue where we find out that Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow both have the same tattoo that yes. I have? <laughs> yes, I remember that. But, um, but yeah, it was really kind of this weird little foreshadowing. And it's so strange to see. And you actually get to watch the transition from Howard Hessman being like just informative. Hey, I'm just a guy. Until, I'm just informative. Yeah. I'm trying to find out what's going on to just turning into a complete jackass of just, you know, you're going to do what I'm going to say. And I control right. all this. Right. And guess right. what? You're now government property kind right. of thing. You know, yeah. it was it was really interesting to see all that and, and to go back and, and watch you know, a very young Sarah Jessica Parker. Yes. With, I think she had like purple hair. Purple hair because she yeah. went to a Twisted Sister concert. Yes. He didn't know who that was. Yeah. Who's she? It's a he. Actually, it's, it's a, a them. It's a them, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there, it's, I mean, it's again, so many little nuances in this movie that I just adored. It wasn't anything huge. It wasn't mm-hmm. anything blockbuster-esque. But once you introduce Paul Rubens, mm-hmm. when you allow him to just go and play... It's when it just takes it to a whole different kind of movie. Right. And seeing him playing Max and just bouncing around. Uh, one of the things we talked about in our, our previous episode was the throwback for nostalgia mm-hmm. on elements in movies of this time. Yes. There was a big yes. throwback from like 50s and 60s genre stuff. With into the Beach this. Boys, I get around. You know, I get I around by the Beach yeah. Boys because he was bouncing around through music trying to, to pick Which, up Which, even back then. Yep. Okay. I was like, that kind of weird. He was taken out in 78, which mm-hmm. means that he would have been born in 66, okay? Because he was 12. Yeah. Okay. So, would he really know that song? I, well, I mean, his parents, parents, parents I'm sure, it, yeah. but I mean, would, would that have been like the song he went to as opposed to anything from the late 70s? Well, the, know, the funny <laughs> thing is, the whole scene where he stops for directions. Yes. And he's asking these kids in a car about you know what's going on there's a song that's playing in the background it's a song called trapped in my mind Mm -hmm. it was a completely fictional song but it was actually a parody of the cures of a man inside my mouth okay and that's where there's a you know there's all kinds of little nuances right right and there's uh the the term geek gets thrown a lot around a lot in this yes you know what's a geek (laughs) and they they the scene where he's, you know, saying, "Were those geeks?" Yes, those were. Yes, geeks. those were geeks. Yes. Um, <laughs> this is this music that was playing in the geeks' car. Yes. You know? Yeah. And then they dial in and start listening to "I Get Around" by the Beach Boys, and there's a whole scene of just watching this spaceship going across the coast of Florida. Right. Hearing that him, and everybody just, navigating, yeah, you know, dancing yeah, around. Yeah. Oh, and the navigation process that he uses is so strange too. He's sitting in a chair, and there's these two platform orbs that come up on right. either side of him. Puts one hand on one, one hand on the other, and it's kind of a yeah, I've never seen anything like this as far as in that yeah, style. Yeah, it's definitely unique as far as that controls go. Yeah, the method of control. That, you, that you've seen in a movie. You know, it just... It's it's very strange. And, and It reminds me, what was that Atari game that had the two... Well, uh, it's, You know what I'm talking about. It came out in the 70s. Um, well, uh, there was like, a tank-based game where you had two pedals. Right. And but pedal- no, there was a game that came out in the late... Or in the mid-70s when Atari was mm-hmm. kind of it was after um uh pong you know right and they developed this thing where basically you had two 
half orbs or whatever you had to like move around. I think it was called like I forget what it was. I have to look it up. I'm not sure, but I I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I do remember there was a tank based game that had the um, pedals. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, you had the yeah. two pedals, and actually there was a version of Tron yes, that you know yes, had that where yes. that was the control of the tank, and then you controlled the turret you know separately. Yes. But um, but yeah, it, it's and again everything is chrome. Mm-hmm. Everything is this weird shade of like fully metallic yet plasticky kind of chrome right, as it's moving right. around. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a great contrast. And just visually, visually the movie very is very shiny in that cockpit. <laughs> well, I mean, just to see that, you know, like I said, you know, you were talking about where it's flying across during the credits or yes, during the, yes, the, yeah. the fireworks and everything and seeing the fireworks reflecting off of it. Yes, yes. I was like, this is 86. This right. technology should not exist mm-hmm. in 86. But they were able to pull that off, and just the the way that it pulled off was so beautiful for what it's time. Mm-hmm. You know, there were a lot of different elements, like I said, that were taken from this in other movies. Um, the liquefied metal yeah, was Terminator used in Terminator Two. two. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of other ones. Um, the ship design, I think, was used in another movie, but I can't remember. Yeah, what that was. I, I kept I kept rewatching because again, I had not seen this movie in a lot of years. The ship design reminded me of something else, and I can't quite. Yeah, it's that teardrop shape. Yeah, and there, there's there's so many different things that have kind of gone with that. Um, I was trying to think. Oh yeah, I, I actually found the the name. It was called Omnibuds Computer Animation. That was the company that made the animation for it and created that reflective surface. I always thought that was so cool about the way this. And I'm gonna break your heart. Oh no. What's the one thing that's going to be the death of a memory? A remake. Mm. There is one that is apparently in the books. It was announced last year. Okay. And they're trying to say if it's going to be a remake or a reboot. reboot. Yeah. Um, that's in development. Um, strangely enough, going to be directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Really? Which, not okay. a terrible choice. Not, yeah. I'm... Not a terrible choice. And uh, it's supposed to be going straight to uh, Disney+. Plus. So well, that makes... I could Perfect see that. Sense, you I mean, know, that's you know, a, this is one again, of those... again, you know, it's Disney Plus is such a strange thing as far as they they did a really decent and I only say decent job of curating what's on there as mm-hmm. far as like nostalgia. Yeah. But then there's a lot of movies that aren't on there. Well, yeah, you know? I mean there's and it's like and I think this one when it first came when Disney Plus first premiered, I don't think was, it was not on yeah, there. It wasn't on I there. I think they, they added, added it. it. But like, you know, Watcher in the Woods wasn't on there. Darby O'Gill and the Darby Little O'Gill and Little People wasn't on there. Um I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Uh, but yeah, all these Cat from Outer Space wasn't on there for a long time. They <laughs> added that they, one. Did they finally add yeah. Black Cauldron was not on there. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of stuff, especially from this era, that they kind of like, let's try to but still there was just you go through of course Disney has a very, very rich history, you know, of, of one of the things that killed me like when I did have Disney Plus was mm-hmm. I was like I I wouldn't watch Pollyanna one night because I love Hills. Oh, okay? that's a classic. And that was her first movie with Disney. Yep. And she did, I think she did six movies with Disney, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds about right. Uh, it was that one. Let's see. There was Pollyanna, Summer Magic, which was not on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, the Parent Trap. Yes. Well, that's, that's the one that's, everybody associates. Yeah. So. Um, the M- Moon Spinners. Oh, I forgot about Moon Spinners. Which that was the last one she did yeah. with them. And I think that one was actually on there. That Darn Cat. Mm-hmm. And there was one other one. 
there was one other movie that she did with them, you know, and it was like, okay, only at the beginning, Pollyanna right. and the Moonspinners was on there. But none of those other, not even the Parent Trap was on there to begin right. with. Now, Disney has remade the Parent Trap like three times or oh, some yeah. crap like I that. I mean, the, I think that Mary-Kate and Ashley did it, and there was somebody Well, they did a movie oh, called Lindsay It, Lohan take, did it Takes it, yeah. Two. Lindsay Lohan. That essentially was Lohan. that same yeah. movie, but it wasn't that right. movie. Right, right, uh, but Yeah, Lindsay Lohan did a remake of it, but then they did it, They did. I think they did like a Disney Channel remake of it as well with some other young Wouldn't star surprise or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of one of those things that, Disney Plus for all of its oh look we're going to put all of Disney stuff on here right they didn't, didn't put all of Disney stuff on there so and, there's uh, there's a term that's used in Disney a lot called the vault yes and a lot of times they will take that's that's how they used to try to rebirth. get you to rebuy everything yeah exactly they'd rebirth stuff they'd take right. it out of the vault for a while yeah. and then put it back well, in the vault Disney you know? had a and it was a brilliant marketing strategy yeah. they had the um the seven year strategy mm-hmm. basically what it is they, they basically said. Every seven years... We're going to bring it back out. Well, but the reason why is every seven years there's a new crop of kids who haven't seen this. Yep. So it's basically every seven years we get to reset our fan base. Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant. It is absolutely... So yeah, they would release a movie on VHS or in then later DVD or whatever, and it would be out for a year or two, and then it would be like, it's going back in the vault, and it won't be again, it won't be available again. And a lot of times they would even say it won't, even, won't be available again and they would give the exact date of when it would be back out because they already had it on this the seven year cycle. Right. And, you know, there are still movies now that I that I can't get because they're in the vault, quote unquote, you know, on Blu-ray or whatever. And because uh, I would love to have a Blu-ray copy of The Black Cauldron. Right. And uh, but it's yeah, I can buy one second on the secondary market that's expensive as crap. Yeah, especially <laughs> an arm and a leg for it. But, you know. but that was like that for a long time with the movie, like especially back in the VHS days. Those right. clamshell, those bo- those movies oh, yeah. would come out. Oh, and yeah. They, and then they'd go in the vault and you you'd could never, not get them. You'd, you'd never know? see them again. Or if yeah. you did, it was like a small miracle. And that's one right. of the reasons why they were so valuable. You know, too. a Disney movie that I want. I can name two that I would like give my teeth for that are not on um, Disney Plus just yet. But go ahead. Which one's that? Which one? The Devil and Max Devlin. The Devil and Max Devlin. I want that movie. Bill Cosby playing the devil. (laughs) Typecast. Typecast. Um, But the one that I would love to get a hold of, and it's not one that that most people know of, is called the North Avenue Irregulars. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not uh, it that had um, I can never remember the actor's name. He played the villain in Lost Boys, um, the older gentleman, glasses. Oh, um, yeah, I know who you're talking I can about. Never yeah, yeah, remember yeah, yeah, his yeah. name, but um, he um, he plays the main bad guy in it, or the main character, and he plays okay. a priest. This oh, okay. To clean up everything, and it's, nice. It's just it, you know, it's like gambling in the church kind yeah, of thing, okay. and it's it's just a, it was a fun movie. But there's one that was released on. Um, I want to say they finally did put it on Disney Plus because I'd never seen it, and the infamous Amy made me watch it, mm-hmm. and I'm glad she did. It's a Jodie Foster Disney movie, Candleshoe. Yes, yes. I had never yeah. seen this movie. That was one of her first. Like that was yeah. That was no Freaky she, Friday no, came yeah, out before that. Freaky yeah. Friday, but that she did. Uh, she she had a Disney contract. It's, it's kind of like uh, uh, which is funny because she did Taxi Driver before that too. Oh, I know. But it's kind of <laughs> like uh, what's his name. Um, Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell, you know, because like the computer, the computer wore tennis, tennis shoes, shoes and uh, uh, you know all that stuff. You know, yep. there, there was a, there were several of those movies that he was in. Well, see, Disney had such a, a rich heritage of cheese ball live action movies. Right, there was so many. I mean, you say the name Dean Jones. Oh yeah, you could pretty much. Oh, yeah. you know, the Shaggy Dog. You oh, know, just go through uh, all Herbie. kinds. Herbie, any of the Herbie yeah, movies. You know, well, 
uh, Tommy Corcoran, the cat from outer space. Yes, you know, you know that's uh, you know, Tommy Corcoran, or it was no, it was sorry, excuse me, it was Kevin Corcoran and Tommy, um, Tommy Kirk. Oh, Tommy Kirk. I forget okay, remember because think about all the Tommy Kirk and Kevin Corcoran were in a bunch of movies together. Of course, you get Old Yeller. Yep. Uh, they were in Swiss Family Robinson yep. together. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. They they did a series of, of movies together. Most and of those were Tommy not comedies. Corcoran, though, and they then, were more on the right, serious And then side. Tommy Corcoran went on became Moochie. Yep. He was on the he was on the the Mickey Mouse Club. Mm-hmm. And then had there was a whole run of like Moochie of Pop Warmer football and Moochie of this and that and blah blah blah. blah. He even had a TV show for a little while. Yeah. But Tommy Kirk went on and starred with Annette Funicello in like The Monkey's Uncle and uh, the Misadventures of. Um, what was it? The Misadventures of Einstein. Oh, of, uh, um, I know the one. They were all the same character. The Monkey's Uncle and that, and there was another one where it was like the three, the two of them were in all these movies where he was like this really smart, you know, um, you know, this really smart kid. Something Jones. I yeah, I think yeah, it was like Misadventures of something Jones. Yeah. yeah, it was not Einstein. It was something like that. You know, it was like, it was just uh, Merlin yeah. Jones. Merlin Jones. Misadventures of Merlin Jones. Yep. Uh, I grew up watching all this stuff because yeah. I had the Disney Channel back well, then. And that's you know? when the and Disney Channel was yeah. started for content, so they would run stuff they like that. They would run all these old 60s. You know? And you know? also when you had the magical world of Disney right. when they were showing stuff like that. And I remember when they actually, I think they did this one time, uh, Flight of the Navigator on yes. uh, Magical World of Disney. Because yep. if you remember, they only had an hour so that you watch one half of the movie one week and then you'd have to watch the second half of it the next oh, week. I'm making another executive decision. Oh, Lord. Because we're talking about this era of Disney. Yes. One of my favorite movies. Mm. Absolutely favorite movies from this era of Disney. We're going to cover an Oktoberfest. Uh-oh. Which one? Something Wicked This Way Comes. Was that a Disney? That's a Disney movie. Oh, my God. That's, yes. that's Ray Bradbury, man. I yes. love that. Yes. We are going to watch that. Oh, I, I love I have the movie. DVD of it. So I it's love <laughs> that movie. I love that movie. It's a great one. I rewatched it a couple of years ago mm-hmm. just because I got the DVD of it. And I was like, this movie is amazing. Well, and if you, I mean, you know, again, I would say from like mid-60s mm-hmm. up through the 80s into like the mid to late 80s is when you really saw a lot of the live action. And it's funny because after Michael Eisner, right. you didn't really see very many nope. live action Disney movies nope. anymore. Until they started remaking all of their cartoons. Yeah, into, I find that know. so funny. They're taking around and making live action versions of the cartoons that they replaced live action movies with. Exactly. You know? Exactly. It just, I just, it, something's not right about that. I, I don't know, know what right. it is, but something not right. Again, it goes back to now, in the last, especially in the last two decades. Mm-hmm. In Hollywood in general, it doesn't matter what production company, whatever, they would rather remake a known property than take a chance on something new. Because yeah. the, the theory the theory is there it already has the name it already has a fan base, it already has the name recognition. We yeah. can go ahead and do this. And unfortunately, Hollywood did a few of these that were successful, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Okay, we can remake everything." Yeah. Well, no, we want real movies. We want we want new movies. Well, this and now like, you're 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 being cursed with prequels and know, you know, know. reinventions and, and, and stuff like that. Sequels and, thirty years beyond whatever. And don't get you know. me wrong. If Disney decided that they wanted to go back and do a new version of something like The Cat from Outer Space. Or um, the Apple Dumpling Gang, which or you know, things they like that. did remake. I think it'd be a lot of fun. They did remake um, that darn cat in yeah. the nineties with Christina Ricci. Yeah, and yeah. it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, you know, did you I, ever? Did you ever hear her on the Howard Stern? No, like when she was supposed to be promoting that. I'm afraid to ask. Oh, and she was so not there for it. Was she? Was just like, 
yeah, go see it if you have to. But just wow, <laughs> wow. But yeah, I mean, and the question is, would you like to see a remake of Flight of the Navigator? No. I don't think so, just because I can't think of anybody that could do Max. I don't think, I'll be honest, and again, you never know what's going to catch with kids. True. I mean, honestly, I, we were talking about that with my son earlier, about yep. some of the stuff with him all of a sudden catching on Godzilla. And I'm not talking about like the new Godzilla movies. It's the old ones that yep. he loves, you know. Um, or, you know, him all of a sudden getting obsessed with Rob the Robot, you know, yep. from Nintendo and stuff like that. So you never know what kids are going to, ca- what's going to catch with them. Right. But on the surface, this was not a successful movie to begin with. And it's got a cult following, but you oh, have yeah. to remember when you have a cult following, that's not a large audience. Well, so, but it's a dedicated one. It is. But you also have to think most of the people who saw this movie when they were kids or teenagers or whatever it was. Yeah probably don't have kids in that age range now that you know the kids are going to be a little older they're not going to be in that disney range that they're trying to get them i don't know again you never know what is going to catch with kids yeah so it's and and honestly if it's going to be in anybody's hands i think bryce dallas howard would do a good job of it because i think she's very talented and i will say you know i just technologically speaking i would i'm interested to see what they would do with the updates that they would do all that well it's kind of like what we were talking about before with like last starfighter i would love to see that redone with modern day technology i think it'd be amazing um, you know, just for the death blossom, I think is, yeah, it's just, that's usually what I say after I leave the bathroom, but, you know, <laughs> death blossom. Uh, wow. So, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely think this was, this is one that could be redone really, really well, but it could also be an absolute train wreck. And that's the part yes, that scares me yes, because I know, you know, cause you know, it's going to go through multiple committees of, of rewrites. Right. And, and you've got yes. people that may not have the nostalgia for it and try to figure or out. Or you may have somebody on that writing team that absolutely hates the movie to begin with and is just like, fine, if we're going to do this, we're going to we're going to do it completely different. You well, know, and just so so here's the here's the thought though. Think of it like this, okay? When this movie was made, Davy was sent back or he was sent ahead was it 12 years? 8 years. 8 years. 8 years. Okay, so he started in 78, he advanced to 86. Right. Eight years back from today. Uh, uh, 2014. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just. And that's, a, you know, I, I was it you that I was talking to about this where I was hmm. talking about how I, f- I forget who it was. Everything kind of blends together after 20. Yeah. Once we got into the 21st century. Yeah. Anything that happened. Yeah, it was you. Was yeah. like, I you know Anything that ha- that I can't distinguish anything from the the early 2000s to now as being any different. Than, right. Than so, and, and I mean, that would be, uh, would it be interesting? I don't know, because if you look at what changed in that eight years. Right. Yep. And even assuming he's... You got he a swapped, cell phone. Well, well I mean, like, <laughs> okay, so let's let's take it for a second here. So he, he this would have been 2014. Trump. He was, he was 12 years old at that point, so that means he was born in 2002. Right. So even anything that happened from like the 2000 to 2012... I mean, that's still stuff that we're listening to today. There's still TV shows that are still on today. There's right, still, you know, right. it's not as much of a dramatic difference on no. what happened from 78 to 86 right. that there would be from, you know, 2022 back to 2014. So right. I don't know if it would play out unless they're going to take the jump much, much further back. 
Right. Or yeah, do a, it a in, much bigger jump would be interesting. Yeah. Or know, do it in the same time frame. Do a seventy eight to eighty six jump and just do it as like a, 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 a retro piece. a period yeah. piece of retrospect, which Honestly, I would be okay with that. I don't I, have a problem with them doing it as a period piece as long as they don't do the, hey, look, guys, it's the 80s. Yes, yeah, so let's shove every neon, yeah, no, every no, you know, no, Walkman, everything again, like that. You know? with these two movies that we've covered here, yeah. both of them take are, are set in the mid-80s. Yeah, basically a year from one another. Yeah, but it's still one of those things you look at. You don't look back and go, oh, look, there's all the neon. Oh, look, there's all the whatever, you know. I mean, there's, I mean, a, there's, there's a nothing, few little things maybe in the background. There's elements that but, define the time, and they right. are, I would say that they are good time capsules. Right. Um, but but I the don't, kid's still wearing, I mean, like, he was, he was wearing a... Uh, a members-only jacket. Well, no, did you, in this movie, did you notice what he was wearing whenever um, Howard Hessman came? I don't remember. He was wearing a Led Zeppelin one T-shirt. Oh, It was nice. the Hindenburg on the front. Of, nice. Of, yeah, I, I noticed that immediately. I was like... It makes okay. sense to the no, kids from the 70s would have been, be wearing yeah. a Led Zeppelin t-shirt. Yeah, 78, you know, that would have made yeah. perfect sense. Uh, but yeah, it was that kind of stuff where I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. But, you know, again, this, the regular shirt that he was wearing was just like a 70s, like, striped, you know, vertical stripe, right. horizontal striped shirt. You know, it's nothing. It wasn't like, oh, look, here's all the, the crazy bell bottoms and butterfly collars and stuff. It was like, no, no, no. It's and just, it doesn't need whatever. that. It doesn't yeah. need that. I mean, I think just... And now the short shorts. Okay, <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair. That was a little, <laughs> little weird. I'm not gonna lie. A little. This little, movie in general, like between the because the, the, the 70s and 80s, comfortable. The short shorts were a thing. Oh yeah. You know. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad. I hate that they've come back again in some. And not quite that short. I ain't got the legs for them. So. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't think I ever had the legs for them, even as thin as I was at one but point. But yeah, so. I do think you know you know I think it would be interesting if they did this as a period piece and brought it back to that same time jump there. Right. Doing a modern time jump, I agree with you. I don't think it would work as well mm-hmm. because no one's really going to have that much of a distinguishable difference in style, in music, in right. you know, pop culture reference, in just what's going on in the world. Because there's, it, it, it's I don't want to say it's gotten stagnant, but there's not as much of a dramatic change right you know from late 70s to mid 80s that's a huge huge difference right. as far as what's around even just looking around the room you know right it's it's such a big difference on that so yeah i i think bryce dallas howard if you're listening uh <laughs> we know that she listens to which would be awesome yeah. if she was <laughs> but uh you know i do think if you want to keep it in that era i think that's the smartest play if you try to take it outside of that era or try to modernize it it's really just not going to fly as well yeah or you're going to do too much of a jump on it and it's just not going to work all right while we've been doing this and especially since i made an executive decision Uh-oh. on the on the previous episode he's working on his episode, list I, i've jotted down a list i'm going to let you look at it and see if you approve oh yeah Oh yeah, there's a lot on this. There's, there's some there's some there's some gems on yeah, this. Yeah, there's some absolute gems. Oh, I got another one. I got another one. So folks, for those of you that don't know what in the world <laughs> we're doing, my 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 esteemed colleague over here has decided that we are going to make this the summer of George. No, I'm sorry. No, it's it's, it's the, the retro summer. It's the retro summer, and the we're going to do all movies from the '80s that are summer movies. Summer movies slash 
kids in danger. <laughs> yes. Kids. Making... I just added one more to the bottom of that. Oh yes. <laughs> I forgot. Which... Henry Thomas. Yes, again. Henry Thomas. Like... Yeah, absolutely. Um, but um, yeah, because I think that's what really defined, it. and that's why these movies are so rewatchable. Right, right. You know, because are they schlocky? Yes. Absolutely. Are they? You are know, they of their time? Absolutely. Definitely. You know? Definitely. Definitely. Uh, but you know, are there there are elements of that that carry over in even modern day era? Yes. Every a doubt. one of these movies, except for maybe one, mm-hmm. very much encapsulates that that autonomy that Gen X had. Yes. As kids and teen and early teenagers. That ability that, that to pre- go yeah, to, to go, go do, do and explore whatever, and live you know, exactly. and you know, have those memories made and all this other kind of stuff. So I, I do think that that's the all of these definitely embrace that. Right. And no, we're not going to tell you what they are right nope. now. So. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you got to stick around. Come back and listen to Gotta find stick out around. Our, and, and, and listen all through uh, Retro Summer to uh, <laughs> to hear what we're talking about. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh. All yeah, right. This looks exciting. I'm happy to be a part of this. So. Absolutely. So guys, thank you so much for joining us here uh, once again uh, with, um, with Barry and Barry! myself. Yes. Um, and we are... <laughs> Apparently, we just plotted out our whole summer here in just the, last, <laughs> the last hour. Hey, man, uh, a good idea is a good idea. I don't care when it comes. You but know? it's going to be fun, and, yeah. and it's going to be a good time, and I guarantee you, you guys are going to enjoy hearing these. Like, enjoy your summer. about these movies. Yeah, it's good. You know. uh, and I'm already, I'm already in my head putting together all the <laughs> We are not doing stuff. another bracket. No, We're no, not no, no, doing no. it. No. no, no, not at this point. Not at, not at this point. No, we no, 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 end, no, no. But not now, believe me. Um, so yeah so guys thank you so much go and check us out on Discord and Instagram and all that stuff um, and uh, all the links will be in the um, in the show notes we obviously. miss you Dave Dave will be back I guarantee you when he looks at this list he's oh, gonna yeah, be like I'm like, in yeah. I'm in on all so these it's, it's like so, why didn't you call me sooner <laughs> we were may, recording Dave that's why even want to add to it so. oh I have a feeling yes oh I know so guys thank you so much I'm Alan Smith I'm Barry and we will see you next time later